When it comes to Texas politics, you can always count on one thing. It'll never be boring. This year, during the 11th hour of the last day of the session, at least 59 Democrats walked out, breaking quorum. And without a quorum, Republicans could not pass new election laws that would make voting a lot harder in Texas. And so ended the 87th legislative session. However, the story does not end there. Texas Governor Abbott used his authority and powers to call a special session of this legislature to complete the business of the state. The special session agenda included items such as social media censorship, critical race theory, and what is described as election integrity, new laws that will strengthen the integrity of elections in Texas. The Democrats, knowing they did not have the votes to stop any of this, did the only thing they could. On July 12th, over 50 Democrats left the Capitol and flew to Washington, D.C., once again breaking quorum and leaving Republicans unable to pass any new laws. Governor Abbott has issued arrest warrants for all the AWOL legislators who are currently holed up in a Washington, D.C. hotel. However, they are beyond the jurisdiction and long reach of the Texas State Troopers and the Texas Rangers. In this podcast, you'll hear from three state representatives and their reasons for breaking quorum and waiting out the special session in Washington, D.C. To provide both sides of the issue, we are currently reaching out to Republican lawmakers for their point of view. We hope to be airing that episode soon. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode. Today, we are very fortunate to have three representatives on the show. These are Texas legislative representatives. We have Representative Aaron Zawiner, Representative Art Fierro, and Representative Cristina Morales. These um, state legislators are holed up in Washington, D.C. The purpose that they and about 50 other legislators are holed up is to break quorum. When you don't have quorum in the state house, you cannot pass laws. So, Let's go ahead and get started. Aaron, let's go ahead and start with you, Representative Zwiener. Um, thank you for being here. And why did you guys leave the state of Texas in the middle of a special session? Thank you so much for having us, JR. And it's always a pleasure to be with you and to mock, especially since y'all are headquartered in my district in Buda, Texas. Uh, I represent Hayes and Blanco counties, a very fast growing area outside of Austin. And we are here because there are many issues we can debate on the floor of the Texas House but democracy itself cannot be up for debate. We saw this bill coming at us and we thought we had used every tool in our toolbox uh, in Texas. So we used our Hail Mary tool, breaking quorum. And so we are in the middle of a very difficult, hard play. We are asking our colleagues in Washington, D.C. to pass strong legislation to protect the freedom to vote, not just for Texans, but for all Americans. And I'll be frank, this has gone better than I ever imagined. And we are seeing real momentum here in Washington, D.C. to pass strong protections for the freedom to vote. All right. Let me, Aaron, before we pass on, you say you're seeing some headway or things are going well. Are you saying that the federal level can pretty much supersede whatever rules the state legislature makes? Yes. A lot of the work we're seeing is about restoring the strength of the Voting Rights Act. 
which was passed in 1965 under House District 45 native Lyndon Baines Johnson in his presidency. The Voting Rights Act was gutted in a 2013 Supreme Court decision, Shelby County versus Holder. And what we are seeing is work on the ground to restore those strong protections that protect our communities of color and ensure access to the ballot box. We see momentum on the ground here to address that. Um, Senator Chuck Schumer, Representative Nancy Pelosi, and Senator Joe Manchin actually just announced that they are close to a deal on some voting rights legislation that we expect to be filed soon. Okay, well, it's exciting news. Let's go ahead and uh, go over to uh, Representative Fierro real quick. I'd like to ask him a follow-up question. Yes, howdy, JR. Hope you're doing great. <laughs> howdy, Representative. You're not from A&M. Is it howdy? <laughs> you're from El Paso. Yeah, there you go. You're from El Paso. Now, um, Representative Fierro, this is the, what, fourth, fifth time that uh, Democrats have broken quorum in the state legislature. I think the first one was in 1972, no, 1979 with the killer bees. Uh, the purpose of doing this is uh, to make sure that what some people consider bad laws aren't passed. So why this time? JR, we were forced to, myself, my Democratic colleagues were forced to uh, make a decision. And we broke quorum the fourth time in Texas history on the last day of session. And we were forced to do it again this time. And it's not easy. You know, there's people here who have made sacrifices, sacrificed their, their business, sacrificed their relationships, their families. And, you know, it's very difficult to be here locked up in this hotel when our families and our constituents are at home waiting for us. Now, Art, you say you were forced. I mean, you had the choice. I mean, you had a choice to get on the plane and fly to D.C. Why didn't the why didn't everybody just stay there, fight it out and, you know, try to keep, keep working it until you got what you needed? Well, that's a great question. And I'll tell you that this group that's here in, in D.C. tried their darndest. I mean, there was some of us were on the election committee. Some of us were in negotiating committees. Some of us were on special committees. And there was hours and hours and hours of good faith negotiations. We felt that there was some progress made on the bill. When the bill went to the Senate side, it came back in even worse shape. You know, Jared, we're here fighting for democracy. We're here fighting for people's right to vote and, and to have their voices heard. And when you threaten to lock someone up with jail for making a simple mistake on a voter registration card, for your signatures not matching, for, I mean, just very simple things like that, we have got to do something drastic to make sure that we're saving their right to vote. You know, Jared, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't want a district judge to overturn an election. And that's one of the items in this bill is that if someone can file a complaint and the district judge can overturn an election. So one person, one person with a position can overturn an entire election in that right. county is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. This is much, much bigger than any of us here. Well, talking about things that are big, Harris County, let's go to Representative Morales. Representative, thank you for uh, being with us today. You come out of Harris County. Your district is primarily a Latino district and one of the most poorest districts in the state. Now, the fact that Harris County is so big, I mean, I'm not a statistician, but it definitely can sway a statewide election either way, depending on how the vote comes out, especially in that heavily populated urban area. And for some of the listeners who may not be aware, but I think the population of Harris County is larger than some states in the country. So it's a significant voting block, no matter which way it goes. So Representative, why are you there with the other holdouts, if you will, or the other folks in Washington, D.C.? 
Hi, JR. Thanks for having us today. I'm here to represent my community. We are working hard here in Washington, D.C. to make sure that the voices of our constituents are heard. In my district, a Latino district, we've always had low voter turnout. Latinos have felt disengaged in the process. They feel like their vote doesn't matter. And these horrible voter laws will um, discourage them more. We did some amazing things in Harris County. I was so proud, and we got people out to vote by making sure that we could have 24-hour voting, which we did for one day. We also had drive-through voting, which hundreds of thousands of folks in Harris County took advantage of. And this legislation would ban those two things, which in my community where folks work by the hour, you know, their every hour is precious. Most of them work by the hour. I represent a working-class community. And so you're making it harder for them to vote. One of the things that just struck me as just horrible, because I think about my Thea, you know, she's sick. She can't drive herself. And if her daughter wants to take her or a family friend wants to take her to a polling location, she will literally have to take an oath and find a notary public to fill out a form just so she can help her vote. I mean, this is just outrageous and ridiculous. Because in my community, everyone loves to help each other. And so I'm here to ensure that my community feels more engaged in the process. And I feel like this was a a direct attack on communities of color. So we had to be here. Let me understand this. If I have a neighbor, what was proposed? If I had a neighbor who needed a ride to the polling place and I gave them a ride, I would have to take an oath and have something notarized to to be able to do that? Absolutely. Yes, you would have to do that. You know, I grew up in a a very Latino community where our elders, a lot of times, they mostly spoke Spanish. They don't speak English. So uh, the whole voting process can be a little intimidating. Yes, things are written in other languages, but there's family members who really didn't get a full education and don't know how to read uh, completely in English or in Spanish. So if you try to help them in any way, or maybe they can't see, or maybe they've had a stroke and they can't sign things. So this, this affects people with disabilities, people who speak different languages. So it's a direct attack on these folks. So if you did take, for instance, a neighbor to go vote, you would literally have to take an oath to make sure that you're not helping this person uh, cheat in an election. Now, just for clarification, you're talking about U.S. citizens that have probably been here for generations. Absolutely. But- Folks who are eligible to vote, because guess what? Government helps people like that. People with disabilities need government the most. People who have those language barriers need government the most. People who don't have health care right now need government the most. We have so many folks in the state of Texas, mostly children, which really breaks my heart. And we should have expanded Medicaid this session. You know, give us something. And instead, we're forced to listen to these horrible racist voter suppression bills, forced to vote on them, knowing that we're not going to be able to negotiate and knowing that they're going to pass despite us fighting against them. Let's go to Representative Zawiner. One of the things that we're looking at, at least in my observation last session, a lot of things passed, a lot of new laws are going to be coming in to affect September 1st. Obviously, there's some I don't necessarily agree with, but nor here nor there. But the whole power grid, I know that you and I were 
over there in Hayes County in Buda, Texas. During the freeze, we were delivering food to some of the needy families that were just kind of shut in, didn't have electricity, didn't have power, and no way to eat. Yet, you have something as important as that, and that was not addressed. And the governor calls a special session to deal with this whole voting issue. How does that work out? Yeah, I, I mean, we nibbled around the edges of the power grid issue, but we didn't take big substantive action on it to make sure that something like I mean, pe- people died. People died from that. Over 700 Texans died. Over 700. The official count is a little bit lower, but if you look at the excess deaths, During that week, it was over 700 Texans who died, and we have no assurances that something like that won't happen again, and we've been flying way too close to the sun this summer. There are other common sense measures that were left on the table, and this special session wasn't called to work on the grid. It wasn't called to work on health care, like Representative Morales was just discussing, even though we're in the middle of the Delta variant being on the rise again and threatening our communities. It was called to work on divisive culture war issues, and then this voting bill The purpose of this bill is for our current leaders to avoid accountability while they fail the people of Texas. And I think that's really important because the reason, I mean, those of us who are in elected office, those of us who participate this actively in democracy, we intuitively understand why democracy and voting is so critical. But for a lot of folks, we have to break it down for them. If you can't vote, how do you get leaders who will work on health care? If you can't vote, how do you get leaders who will make sure the lights stay on? If you can't vote, how do you get leaders that make sure we have a good environment for small business? And so there's two things I want to bring up. One is long waits are the new poll tax. We have so many people that work long hours, long days, have a hard time getting out to vote or are raising four kids and can't stand in line with them for two hours. Um, Shoot, I actually remember, this is going back to, to our shared area, JR, Buda, Texas, 2018, the longest line in the county on election day was in East Buda, a predominantly Hispanic area, and I watched a mother leave and not vote because her kid had wet himself. And she had already stood in line for an hour, and it was two more hours before that line got down and everyone was able to vote. Aaron, I, I remember that. In fact, I was there passing out pizza and bottled water to the people that are in the line, which would now be, I'd be a criminal if I did that under some of these new proposals. I, I will say that's the Georgia law. The Texas law, you can still get okay. people water. <laughs> okay. I, I'm a little confused. Okay. Well, it we'll is hard to keep track with all the different versions of the Texas bill. It's hard to keep track with everything that's happening in every other state. But the common thread is this. They're trying to make it harder for people to vote. And the way these rules work is they predominantly affect people of color and folks who are lower income. And so if it costs people more money to go vote... If it costs them more time off work they don't have, they're not going to make it. And everyday working class Texans will not have their voices reflected in the process. That is the danger of losing the freedom to vote. It's having our government controlled by an ever shrinking number of predominantly wealthy people whose desires don't reflect everyday Texans. Aaron, I'd like to hear from not only you, but the others on this as well. What do you say to those people that go, why aren't you doing your job? You're, you were elected to do a job. You're not doing it. You've left the state. You've abandoned the voters. Why? I miss being in Texas every single day we are here in D.C. But my most sacred duty is to uphold the constitutions of the United States and the Constitution of Texas. And we can't do that by letting Republicans erode the freedom to vote. If you're about to get run over by a semi-truck, you get out of the road. 
We got out of the road. We used an unusual weapon. And we are here in D.C. fighting every single day for our constituents. Representative Morales. We are working harder here in D.C. <laughs> than we would be at the Capitol. I'll tell you, our days are literally 12 hours long, if not more. And if our constituents call our offices, we are answering the calls. We are working. So in my district, uh, I'm in a very safe district, and I'm feeling the love for my constituents, and they are happy that I am here protecting their right to vote. They know that I am here working hard for them to represent them, because ultimately, that's what we do. We represent the people of our districts. And Representative, you're, uh, you're a business owner. Your family owns businesses there in Houston, correct? Yes, I took over a family business, a family uh, funeral home, and we serve many folks in my district, but many Latinos in the Houston area. And it's unfortunate, but I'm sure during COVID, you were very busy. Incredibly busy. I had never seen anything like it. I saw as COVID literally wiped out a generation of our community. It was heartbreaking. There were situations where two and three, three people in one family passed away. It's just horrible that our government didn't require masks to be worn, how slow it was to get vaccines. I called every day to try to get vaccines in our community and try to get drive-through vaccines, and it was, it was a tough job. And I hate to think that some people in our community still don't believe in vaccines, but I think the effort that we made in our community was pretty good, and, and now we're doing better. But of course, now with, with the variant, we haven't seen an increase in our in our business with deaths. Usually, we're the last ones to feel the effects. So I'm worried about the new variant, and it will probably also affect our community. And then with the with the freeze, you know, you have to imagine in a, a Latino district, we have these smaller wooden homes that aren't always insulated. I mean, we literally saw people freeze to death, and I'm just shocked that our governor is not addressing these life and death issues for our community. We all ran for office to improve the lives of our constituents. And where is our governor trying to help people who have the most need, people who need health care, people who need a working grid? I'm worried about what would happen if the grid goes out here in the hottest month in August. So thank you for asking the question. These two things really affected my community. Well, thank you for everything that you do. And we may swing back with a future show specifically about that whole COVID issue. Uh, Representative Fierro. What is what is your position on why you think it's important to be there? And tell us a little bit about how it affects your community. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, JR, uh, that's a great question. And I think my colleagues here have answered it tremendously. But let me add something different to it. Th- this session, the 87th session, how many lives would we have saved if we had done more to improve health care in Texas? And how many lives would have been saved if we had done more to fix the grid? But we haven't. What we did this session was we made carrying a firearm easier. You know, you don't even have to get a permit to carry a firearm now. You just go buy one and you can carry it. And we made voting more difficult. You know, right now we're the 48th most stringent voting rules in the country, yet we're making it more, even more difficult. And this is what we're doing is disenfranchising voters from their opportunity to have their voices heard. How does it affect El Paso? Absolutely affects El Paso. It affects the entire state. And that's why myself and and my colleagues are here, camped out, uh, trying to have our voices heard, making sure our voices and their voices are heard at the Capitol. 
You mentioned uh, the gun law. You kind of simplified there, didn't you, Representative? I mean, you have to be of a certain age, not have a criminal background, but as far as the open carry law that'll take effect um, September 1st and, and not having to go through training, I mean, all those are true. But as you look at this, what would you say to someone who goes, you Democrats, you're over there being drama queens, you're blowing this all up. This whole thing is about voter security to make sure that we don't have any uh, fraudulent elections. This is what this thing is really about. And, and let me let me touch on the gun thing for just a moment. You know, Jared, if I sold you my car, if I sold you my motorcycle, we'd have to do paperwork on it. There would be a paper trail. You have to have a license to drive that vehicle. Yet, I can go to the corner, buy a gun in where, whatever hobby shop that it is, and carry it without any training. So, so it's, did I simplify it? No. The governor of Texas simplified it. And, and I think he put us in a very dangerous situation. August 3rd, coming around next week, there was 26 people murdered by white supremacists in El Paso, Texas, who drove from just north of Dallas to El Paso to murder minorities. And so that absolutely, I, I believe that we simplified gun laws and made it easier for people to carry when we should be making it harder for people to carry firearms, and we should be making it easier for people to vote. Thank you, sir. Representative Zwiener, your take, ma'am, that this issue is about security at the ballot box and not trying to suppress the vote. We have safe and secure elections. Our own Secretary of State in Texas said that in testimony both in front of the Senate and House committees that heard these election bills are um, a Republican representative, Travis Clardy, who um, was one of the voices for the election bill during regular session, said the exact same thing to a congressional committee just Thursday. Our elections are safe. This idea that this bill is about security is, is a complete red herring. But here's what I do know is limiting access to the ballot box is not just bad for Texans. It's not just bad for the quality of life for people who live here, it is also bad for Texas business. The Perryman Group recently released a study showing that this legislation that will harm the ability of Texans to vote will cost the state over $30 billion through 2025. And that's both internal costs from people not being able to advocate for themselves on their issues um, and because they're unable to vote because of long lines and challenging processes. And it's also money we lose from the black eye our state gets from consistently um, making life a little bit harder for marginalized communities. So this will cost us money, like so many other bad bills we've had folks chase. So I'm really sick of working in a legislature that focuses on these culture war issues. And in this case, this bill is about trying to make it more difficult for Texans of color and low-income Texans to vote by making the process into an obstacle course. And I actually don't think we've touched on the most harmful provision of this bill. The most harmful provision is one that makes it much more difficult for election workers to remove a partisan poll watcher who is interfering with the elections process. The new language of the bill does not specify any distance or that partisan poll watchers have to keep between themselves and voters. It says that they have to be placed somewhere where they can both hear and see election activity. What exactly does that mean? I don't know. 
There is some language that say they can't be in the voting station itself, but I don't know if that applies in these two-step stations that we have now in Hayes County and other places with paper trail machines, where there's one place where you vote and another place where you scan your machine in. There's a lot of opportunities for these poll watchers to violate the secrecy of the ballot. There's a lot of opportunity for them to behave in an intimidating fashion. And election judges have far less recourse to remove these folks who are violating the secrecy and the sanctity and the sanctity of the voting process under this new bill. I do want to highlight a particular video that leaked earlier this year, and it was of Harris County Republican precinct chairs talking about the need for poll watchers. And this individual circled an area on Harris County and said, I need to recruit people from here. He was circling areas in far western Harris County, a majority white area, and said, and I need people, if they have the courage, speaking of dog whistles, if they have the courage to go to these areas and then circled predominantly black and Hispanic areas of Harris County. They are actively recruiting folks to come serve as partisan poll watchers in communities of color because, and I quote, that's where all the fraud is happening. And the type of folks they're recruiting are the same people that chased the Biden bus down I-35. They're the same people who got on planes to try and attempt a coup at our nation's capital. We are seeing active recruiting of far-right extremists to come sit over our shoulders as we vote. And that's terrifying. And it is terrifying that we have leaders in this state that are indulging this anti-democratic, totalitarian type of thinking. And so that, that is the part of the bill that scares me the most. Um, And I don't want to minimize the other parts. There's a lot of ways that this bill will make it cost more money for low-income Texans to go vote and create barriers to that process. But one of the fundamental things of this bill is creating this army of enforcers to show up at the polls. And that's something that they are actively recruiting people for right now. Thank you, Representative Zawiner. Representative Fierro. Yes, sir. Okay, let me rephrase this. But, you know, while, while you're phrasing that, Jared, let me just um, interject here for a moment. Yeah, please. We, you know, can... we, we often hear that this bill is not a bad bill, that this bill was really meant to make voting safer, and, and it, which is the first thing from the truth. It's all based on the big lie. And, and to, to even put more evidence on that, we have a colleague uh, who filed House Bill 241 since we've been gone. And what it does, it does a forensic audit on the largest counties. In Texas, because he's claiming that there's a, a half a million illegal votes for, for Biden. So he wants to do that. When asked why he didn't include the entire state, he said, well, these, some of these are rural counties. You know, they're Republicans. They don't cheat. They didn't cast bad votes. So we need to really put this in, in perspective and make he sure. He actually said that. He actually said that. Yes. And, but we need to put it in perspective. This is all based on a big lie. And let's focus on making our state the economic ship that it really is. Let's help people get health insurance. Let's help people live safely in their communities without worrying about freezing and fix the grid. Those are things we need to focus on, not focus on the big lie, not focus on putting somebody back in office who lost a fair election. And a moment ago, Representative Zwiener brought up a quote from the Secretary of State. Prior to that quote, about a month before, Governor Abbott himself said, that these, these were fair elections. So it's all based on a big line. And that's, you know, we need to just get to the truth. We need to have Congress and Senate pass the H.R. 4, H.R. 1, 
and and let's let's let us get back to Texas and fix the issues that that Governor Abbott has has started to unwind it in Texas, which we can go on forever and ever on on those issues. But let's all focus on what we need to do to fix this bill. JR, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm breaking all the rules and I'm tossing art questions. Oh. No, go art, ahead. Don't go. You serve on the elections committee. I keep hearing from folks, why do we oppose this bill? Why do we oppose voter ID? Is this a voter ID bill? It's not. And JR, you know, we had 22 and plus hours of testimony. And it was just all for naught. Those poor people who waited the entire day till the next morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, people were testifying because they wanted to have their voices heard. And it came down to a party line vote. It was five Republicans who voted for the bill and four Democrats who voted opposed. And, and I just want to say this very clearly for the record somewhere in this podcast. Texas already has one of the strictest voter ID laws in the nation. This bill is not about voter ID. It is about complicating the documentation to vote by mail or to have assistance at the ballot box. It limits the maximum number of early voting hours, and it empowers partisan poll watchers to violate their duty and get in the way of the voting process instead of just observing. Well, Aaron, let me ask this question to to you or both of you. If, in fact, voting is so important to so many people, how come there is proposed legislation to actually restrict people from voting? Why would any party want to keep people from voting? I'm going to go real partisan here for a minute, Jr. In 2018, Democrats flipped 12 seats in the Texas House. I flipped one of those. My first legislative session, Art's first legislative session, we went into a legislature that was on its best behavior because they were real scared of what might happen in 2020. So we saw a legislative session where we did focus on bread and butter issues. We worked on education. That was our main issue in 2019. We went into the 2020 elections. My colleagues, my Republican colleagues in competitive districts, they ran campaigns on public education and expanding access to health care. Uh, some of them even hinted that they would support Medicaid expansion. We get into the 2021 legislative session after they managed to keep their seats. Well, we had the most extreme session in decades. We passed legislation to remove some of our last safety protections for carrying firearms. We effectively banned abortion in the state of Texas with no exceptions for rape or incest or for terminal fetal diagnoses. We passed legislation to try and gag our history teachers to teach full history. Um, It was extreme, and it was not at all what they campaigned on. This despite the fact that the election results in 2020 were the closest presidential results we've had in a generation. So this bill is about them avoiding accountability. They campaigned saying they were going to do one thing, that they were going to work on education and healthcare, and instead they pursued culture war issues that only appeal to the far right of their primary base. And I think they want to keep people from voting because they are terrified that they are going to be held accountable for that. Representative Fierro, your take on the same question or the same topic. You know, JR, uh, Representative Zwiner is absolutely right. In fact, a lot of people describe the 86 session as a kumbaya session. And we were able to, to work across the aisle for the benefit of Republicans and Democrats. The bills that came out of there, when you talk about teacher pay, when you talk about financing, underwriting students, all of these were great bipartisan issues that came out of that session. Come into 87th session, and it's day and night. Everything was partisan. And it was partisan on the side that had the 87 votes. You know, the only time there was any a slight 
hint of negotiating was when we had to have a constitutional amendment and they needed some Democrats to get to the 100. And it, it just became very partisan and bad bills got passed. And, and we need to go back to make sure that each and every one of my colleagues here, JR, understands the importance of working with our colleagues across the aisle. And they, a lot of them understand that they need to work with us across the aisle also for, for the betterment of all Texans. But unfortunately, the 87th session turned into a partisan, we can get this done because we have more votes and let's make it worse on the Democrats. Thank you. Last question. Leaving the state, holding up in Washington, D.C. for the 26, 27 days you're going to be up there. Is it worth it? And if the governor calls another special session, will you do it again? Absolutely. Was it worth it? Uh, Jared, I think we have brought a sense of urgency to our members of the House and the members of the Senate. We've brought a sense of urgency to other states across the country who now see that how bad these bills are and that there is something that you can do about them. So am I enjoying spending all these days with my colleague, Aaron Zwiener? There's some good times and some bad times, you know, but that's, that's a whole. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Would I rather be home with my family? Absolutely. But it's a sacrifice, Jared, that I'm willing to make for my El Paso constituents and for the constituents of Texas. And actually, if and when this gets done, it will actually be for the, all the voters of the United States who could be harmed by a bill like this in their states. So let Texas kind of lead and set precedent for the rest of the country. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I, we as Texas know we are leaders. How goes Texas goes the nation. Uh, we are seeing these attacks on the freedom to vote in states across the nation. I believe the current tally is 14 states that have passed laws to make it harder to vote in the past year. So we in Texas are the ones who had the courage to lay it all on the line and take this fight all the way to D.C. And we're really proud to stand with our colleagues in states like Arizona and Georgia who are also fighting to protect the freedom to vote on the ground. So, Aaron, it was worth it. And would you do it again? Well, that second part's a loaded question because I can't tell you our future strategy on this. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, was it worth it? Absolutely. I, we all knew when we left to come to D.C. that this was a Hail Mary. We all knew that we were basically going to go place our hands on the giant boulder that is Washington, D.C. and pray that it moved. And I don't think I truly believe the boulder was going to move. And we're starting to feel it shift and, and roll a little bit in the direction of protecting the freedom to vote. So I'm still a little amazed, still wondering how our fight here is going to fit into the larger history of protecting the freedom to vote in Texas. But I've been thinking a lot about what Vice President Kamala Harris told us the first day we were here. And it was that the fight to protect the vote is never an easy one. And it's been hard for us to be here. I've got my toddler daughter with me at a hotel, which is wonderful to have her with me, but I do not recommend living in a hotel room with a toddler. It's not ideal. Um, but, but our fight has nothing compared to the difficulty of the fights of Frederick Douglass and the suffragettes and John Lewis. And so I'm really humbled and honored that we get to play our small part here in drawing nationwide attention to this issue and injecting our federal representatives with a little shot of courage. You know, JR, and I'll leave you with this because I know you, you need to run, but one of our colleagues, um, 
the dean of, of the Democratic Party, which is Mrs. T from Harris County, when we first started talking about breaking quorum, she described what it was like for her as a young lady trying to vote and how dogs would be set free on them, how they would be hit with baton. It, it, when at the end of the, the, the description, the end of the story, there were two of our colleagues who had no intention, no intention to walk, ended up saying, you know, there's no way. We, we're playing, like Aaron said, we're playing a small role in this. But what people have given up their blood, their sweat, their tears, their lives. And it's, 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 to us, it's a small sacrifice to be here. And we joke about it, but yeah, we're in small quarters and we spend a lot of time together. But it's a small, small sacrifice compared to what people have had to give up in the past to um, have the right to vote. Guys, I want to thank you very much for taking the time. This is um, the Latino Business Report. And in all fairness, we're going to reach out across the aisle and get a um, perspective from the other side, hopefully soon, before this issue is completely resolved. But before we go, I want to thank both of you. Please uh, extend my sincere thanks to Representative Morales. Aaron and Art, any closing words? Because, I mean, you're politicians and you have a microphone in front of you. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't give you one last opportunity for a closing remark to the folks back home. If your vote didn't matter so much, they wouldn't be trying so hard to keep you from voting. Good point. JR, thank you so much. Because one of the, the issues we need to remind people is that this bill is a bad bill and it's got small business and business consequences to it. You know, already there's Southwest Airlines, there's American Airlines, there's all these huge businesses that are committed not to support Republicans in the upcoming campaign because of these issues. So if it wasn't a bad bill, if it wasn't based on the big lie, we wouldn't be here and those companies wouldn't be putting their money behind it. Good point. Well, guys, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. I've been your host, J.R. Gonzalez. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. And our guests on this show has been Art Fierro, representative from El Paso, Aaron Zawiner, representative from Hayes County, and Cristina Morales, representative from Houston. If you like what you hear, we're looking for your comments. Like us, follow us, and we'll see you next time.